0: Good morning. My name is Rachel Rethel, and um Pastor Sam wanted us to kind of say some areas that we're involved in the church or how we're connected here. So I help out in nursery and then I this is my first time doing scripture reading so doing that and then I'm also signed up for MCing. So those are how the ways I'm connected. So today's scripture comes from Psalm 23:5, Philippians 4:18, Matthew 6:31-33. 1 Peter 5, 7 and Deuteronomy 31, 8. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged.
1: Thanks, Church. You may be seated. Well, welcome on this uh, snowy morning. Uh, to, as well with daylight savings time and everything else. I told Pastor Sam that um, if I have an associate, generally the associate preaches on this Sunday because I'm not a I'm not an early riser and. Uh, had to go to the uh, train station last night and pick Beck up from the, the train station, and so that brought us in late in the evening, but thank the Lord, slept well, slept, slept really well. We didn't do daylight savings time in Hong Kong. The, the days were uh, pretty much, the sun rose about the same time every day, and the sun set at the same time just about every day, so yeah, well, we, got, we got used to not doing that, so it's like uh, going back into this. I hope that soon this will be done away with. <laughs> We have been taking a deep dive into Psalm 23 and we're, we're looking at the care of God today and next week we look at eternity, um, that God has prepared a place for us in heaven as well. But this morning as we talk about the care of God, I want to just uh, relate a story to you. When I was first, uh, when we were in Bible college, uh, I was working at a grocery store just outside of uh, where the, the college was and I worked for the Wurstmacher, the, 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 the sausage maker, and he was a crusty, chain-smoking old guy who, who did not like Bible college students at all. And I don't know what I did, but I wormed my way into his heart, and, and this guy liked me. And every once in a while, he'd come by me, and he'd, he'd toss a, a, a package of steaks in front of me. And these were steaks that, they're like, one or two more days before they, had, before they were going to be ground into sausage. And he'd say, you take this home. He said, it's, it's cheap. And they was ridiculously cheap. But it was one cut of steak. It was the chuck eye. And, I, and I'm even afraid to say that because the chuck eye is a really good steak. It's the steak that the butcher takes home. And so we would say, take this home, put it in your freezer, and he said, grill this one. He said, you want to grill it? So we would grill it. And the one time we invited, uh, Becca had a colleague. She was working at the bank and invited the colleague over. It was somebody that she'd known from when she lived in Iowa. And uh, yeah, don't hold that against her. And so when she lived in Iowa, and this guy was going to bring his girlfriend along, and so we grilled some steaks. And after the meal, this never happened to me, ever, ever, and it has never happened again. He stands up, pulls out his wallet, and says, how much do I owe you for the meal tonight? And it's like, what? <laughs> you're, you're a guest in my house. I mean, yeah, incredulous. It's like, what, what are you thinking? I, and I, I wonder. I think behind it was the thought that hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to show not only my girlfriend, but I'm going to show this guy here that I don't need a handout. I can afford this. I have the, I have the means, I have the ability. And you know, in Western culture, when, when we want to display that we have wealth, how do, how do we do that? We do it by the things. It's very visible, isn't it? I mean, you can, you can look at someone's watch. You can look at their jewelry. You can look at where they live. You can look at the house in which they live, the way in which they decorate their home, the car that they drive, the, the school that their kids go to, the uni that, that their older kids go to. You know, all of these things. You can look at their clothes, and you can just see, you can see, okay, where does this person kind of stand, uh, you know, financially? Not so in, in Middle Eastern culture. In Middle Eastern culture, the way that they show The way that they show extravagance is by hospitality. But I've gotten one step ahead of me. As we have been looking at at the 23rd Psalm, we've been looking at the, the whole metaphor of a sheep bragging on the shepherd. Today the metaphor changes from that of a sheep and a shepherd to that of a servant bragging on the king. What David is literally doing here is he's bragging on God. Bragging on, on God's care that he is a servant, but the king takes care of him so well. Now back to the whole idea of Middle Eastern culture. And Middle Eastern culture, when they want to show that they have wealth, they do it through extravagance, through, through extravagant hospitality. Let me give you an example. When I was uh, in, in seminary, at Bethel Seminary, um, we had, had to take a class on Islam. And so as part of the class... We all, as a class, went to a, a Middle Eastern restaurant. I had never eaten at a Middle Eastern restaurant. Really, really good food, I, I found out now, but I'd, I'd never eaten there before. And so there were like 20 of us, and we're all looking up at the, at the menu board and have no idea what it is that, that we're going to order. And so they said, all right, you. And the guy's kind of frustrated behind the counter. He's like, well, when is somebody going to order? And so he says, you, what do you want? And I'm looking up and i like, right, I'll take number one. And so then everybody just kind of orders something, and so then the plates begin to come, and mine comes, and it's like, oh my word, there is no way on God's green earth that one person could eat all that food. And the people next to me are like, you swine, you know, what, why did you order such a big meal? And then their dishes started to come out. And theirs were just as big as mine. That's the way they do it in the Middle East. It's very much hospitality, extravagant, over-the-top hospitality. Why? Because among the Bedouin culture and even amongst other people in, in the Middle East today, news travels. And when you come into a Middle Eastern home... They are going to kill you with kindness. They're going to they're f- kill the fatted calf. They're going to show a lot of hospitality towards you, especially among the Bedouins, because news travels. News travels, and so, uh, yeah, if we could turn the phones off this morning, that would be really good. Uh, news news travels, and, then, and as, you are, as you're visiting from one place to the next, and, man, the guy I just stayed at there, boy, he really, really treated me well. I mean, he put the feed bag on for me here, and, boy, things are really, and the news travels. And this was a way in which their culture, in that culture, you were duty-bound. If somebody came to your home, you were duty-bound, even if they were your enemy, you were duty-bound to care for them up to three days. Think about that. But that ensured that no person who was traveling out in the desert would ever go hungry or would ever lack for a place to find a place, place to rest. And it's now that we come to Psalm 23 with that as a background, we come to Psalm 23, verse 5, and it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And we're going to be digging this verse out because it, it, it blows my mind. As you think about this, and this is the motif has changed from that of a sheep and a shepherd to one now of a servant and his king. And this verse, it says, who's doing the preparing? It says, you prepare. You prepare a table before me. The king is the one who's serving, but he's the one who's preparing it. He is the one. God is the one who always initiates whatever it is that he does. Whatever it is that God is doing, he is initiating. He is preparing us. Even right now, what you're walking through, for some of you, this was an amazing week. You had an amazing week where you saw God work in some powerful ways. For others of you, you are walking through a very deep valley. And as, we, as Pastor Sam shared a few weeks ago, as we walked through that valley, the most important thing to remember in this 23rd Psalm is hidden right in the middle of it. And it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? And here's the most important thing that David wants you to remember. For thou, for you are with me. In the middle of whatever it is that you are walking through right now, I have dear friends walking through cancer right now. And it doesn't look good for them. And going back to them and saying, God is with you. He has not abandoning you in the middle of this time. In many ways, God is preparing you. He's preparing you for what it is. God it does not waste anything. So whatever it is that you're walking through, God is the one who's preparing. God is the one who's in that and who's with you in the midst of that. But you know, as you think about that, he's the one who serves us. He serves us. I mean, when, when Jesus comes on the scene, He says in the scriptures, he said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That wasn't just lip service. Jesus modeled that. He modeled that to his disciples. When he washes their feet, the most menial job, it was the job of the lowest slave in the home to do that. And he models that. He says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples. What? What? If you have love, one for another. He modeled what it meant. And we read in Philippians chapter 2 that he being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But took on the very nature of a servant. Literally in the Greek it says he became that which he never was. And he took on the nature of a servant and became obedient unto God. And became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. So, if he's a servant... What does that say about us? What, what, what should we be? Because, you know, he's serving you right now. Right now, God is serving you. In the middle of whatever it is that you're walking through, God is serving you right now. You say, well, how, how is Jesus serving me now? We read in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, he says, Therefore he is able to completely save those who come to him through God, because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus knows the will of the Father, and he knows what's going on in our lives, and he is praying for us. Father, your will be done, and your kingdom come. Father, in the middle of whatever it is that they're walking through, God, would you meet them? He knows specifically how to pray for us, and he is praying for you. You are not alone. You are not walking through what it is you're going through alone. He is the one who's serving you even now before the Father. So if he is serving us, then what kind of attitude should we have? It's kind of a, a no-brainer. It's, we should have a servant's attitude, shouldn't we? I mean, think about it. And, and what, what does that look like? Um, it's not the easiest thing in the world, is it? <laughs> Husbands, uh, we're, we're called to love our wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for them. Okay, Sherry, I'll check back with you to see how Al's doing on that. <laughs> We're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. That was a self-sacrificing love. That's a love that says, I put you ahead of me. What does it mean to serve our, our wives? Maybe in just a tangible way, just, a, just an easy way. You come home and your, your wife has got this amazing meal before you. It's macaroni and cheese or something. Well, you know, it's whatever it might be. Well, it's this amazing meal, and she's been tracing kids all day, and she, the house is semi-clean, and you, know, you, you say to her, man, this is a really good meal. But maybe you follow that up by saying, you know, I can see you've been having a tough day or whatever. It says, Why don't you go sit down in the living room, and I'll take care of the dishes tonight. When she comes up off the floor after fainting. It's, but here's the thing. Ladies, let him. Let him serve you. Okay, I get it. I get it. He's not going to stack the dishwasher the way you do. All right? Some of you are pretty particular, right? You you got the dishwasher, but you wash every dish, and you're watching him put the dishes in there, and they haven't even been scraped. Okay? Let him serve you. Okay? Some of us, we really struggle to let him serve. Maybe service looks like, hey, you've you've had a rough week, and I know that you've been wanting to go to Hobby Lobby. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Why don't you just go and spend my hard-earned money at Hobby Lobby and have, have, have fun with it? I hear Hobby Lobby's coming to, to Sheboygan. <laughs> yeah. I keep letting the air out of the tires of their stuff over there but they keep <laughs> pumping them back up. <laughs> but no, it, it's very tangible. And think about it. What can you do to serve? And maybe it's simply flowers whether, with a card or maybe it's with a word that, hey, I, I, I love you. And again, ladies, don't look for the ulterior motive. Okay, what do you want? Okay? Let him love on you. Let him serve you. And ladies, what does it look for you to serve your husband? What do you mean? I serve him all the time. I mean, I cook him three meals a day. I'm washing his clothes. You know, he comes in and... Okay, okay. What does it look like to serve your husband? Because that same scripture that says husbands love your wives, it also talks about wives loving their husbands and both of you loving God. So what does it look like for a wife to serve? And for guys, sometimes it means giving them some space. You know, And I get it, I get it. You've been wrestling kids all day. You've been washing clothes, and you still got all this stuff to fold. And it's like, the guy does he see that I got laundry here that needs to be folded? And sometimes, guys, we do need to see that. But maybe for you to serve is to, to gush on your husband and to say, "You oh, know, I, I just love you. I just I'm so thankful to you, and mean it." But you say, "Well, it's this second here. I'm Dutch. We don't gush. I'm Dutch too. Okay, all right. I'm Dutch and German. I can get away with that." But again, again, it's, it's putting his needs ahead of yours and allowing, allowing him to serve. And maybe you say, you know, hey, I know you've been wanting to get out with your buddies and, and go and do, do this thing or whatever. Let him. Let him. And, you know, guys, sometimes our wife may say to us, yeah, "Here's wait for it, can I help you cut the lawn? hmm and some of you grassaholics, it's like, oh, no, no, you could push the mower. I'll, I'll take the big mower because it's got to be done a certain way. Let her, let her help you. And young people, what does it look like to serve? Maybe it means not turning your hear- hearing off and pretending like you don't hear. Maybe it's doing something before you're being asked. I know your parents didn't pay me to say this. But doing something before you're asked. I remember listening to a guy tell me about, he was with his, um, his son was, was very young at the time and they were out in the garden and he said, hey, Jimmy, uh, he said, I, or he said, I need, a, I need to get a hole. And his son Jimmy jumped up and he said, I'll go get the hole for you. And dad walks with him into the garage and it was kind of a narrow garage and the hole was sticking up on a, on a, on a hook. And he, and he starts trying to get the hole off the hook and it comes out and clunk right down on the top of the car And as he takes it, he pulls it across the top of the car. And he said, everything within me wanted to scream, don't scratch the car. But he said, I didn't do it because he got so much joy out of just serving. I think that's really where it comes down to, is joy in service. I think it was a joy for Jesus to serve. Any of you who have the gift of hospitality? You know, it's a joy. It's not a drudgery. You would enjoy having people into your home. I think there's a joy that Jesus has in serving. And so that knife cuts two ways for both husbands and wives and children. Serve out of an attitude of joy and serve out of an attitude of saying, God, I'm so thankful for what it is you've given to me. God, here's how I can give back to you. I've been also challenging in your discussion questions this week, I've been challenging the small groups. How can you serve as a small group? How, what is it that you can do to serve as a small group and to think and to brainstorm about that? You know, when we, when we talk about the table, in that Psalm 25 passage it says, you prepare a table before me. A table was synonymous with, with, with food, but it was also synonymous with the, with the needs. God's the one who takes care of all of our needs. He's the one who supplies all of our needs. All of them. Look, listen to this just for a second. He supplies our physical needs. Matthew chapter, uh, excuse me, um, he supplies our needs, but listen to how he supplies them. He says, and my God, Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. How many of your needs does it say that he'll provide, he'll take care of? Oh. All. Did, did you notice that little word, it says, my God will meet all of your needs. Say it again, your needs. Not necessarily your wants, but he knows what, what you need. And he's the one who said he'll, he'll take care of what it is that we need. He takes care of our physical needs. Matthew chapter 6.11 says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day. We're, we're told to pray. And, you know, in, in the culture in which Jesus lived there it was something that to pray every day. Pray, God, would you provide? And even that word "epousion," that word to talk about daily needs, it was like a woman's grocery list. Is literally what it was. And we're called to pray. I mean, we got fridges that are full. We got we got cupboards or closets that are full of clothes, and we don't ever give this a thought until we don't have it. And he says, pray. Pray and ask God. He says, I, I, I will provide for your needs. This week, as I'm finishing up the sermon, I'm, I'm looking out the window and thinking, man, there is a storm coming. The robins are, there's not a whole lot here for them to eat right now. And they're, they're coming in and they're eating a few of the berries off the tree. And, and I'm thinking, how in the world are they going to make it through the next couple of days of this? And God says, I got them. I take care of them just like I take care of you. He said, I know your needs. So what needs do you have right now? God says, I'm the one who can meet every one of those needs. He meets our physical needs. He meets our spiritual needs. We read as well, this is powerful. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and goodness. What does He provide for us? Everything we need for Life and for godliness. Everything that we need. Everything. The question is, do we take our needs to Him? Because sometimes those needs, God is waiting for us to ask Him. He knows what it is we need, but he sometimes He says, you don't have because you don't ask. I think there are times that God desires to be asked. He says He'll provide everything we need for life, and for godliness. Sometimes we want to say, oh, this is too much. I, just can't, I can't live the life that God has called me to live. I mean, the temptation is just absolutely too strong. And then we come back to his word, and God says, what in his word? That there's no temptation, which is, that, just, there's no temptation that is us that which is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not let us be tempted beyond that which we can bear, but will with the temptation provide a way out so that we can stand up under it. God has provided. God has provided for our spiritual needs. He's provided in Himself. Do we make? Do do we avail ourselves of that need that He gives? That He gives to. And lastly, or second, third thing, He provides for our emotional needs. For some of us, we are carrying burdens that our shoulders were never meant to carry. God didn't mean for you to carry those. He meant to be the one who will carry those. Because for some of us, those, those emotional needs that we have right now, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're eating our lunch. We're eating Tums by the bottle. We walk through the door at night and the dog runs and everybody else runs because of the way in which you're living right now. And some of it goes back to those things that we're carrying that God said, he doesn't want us to carry. He says in his word, he says, cast all your anxieties upon him. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties upon him. Why? Why? Because he cares. He cares. Does he understand what you're walking through? We talked about this last week. He's a man of sorrows, familiar with grief. He gets it. He knows what it is that you're walking through. He says, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares. I remember when uh, I was in the Philippines, I was in college and went for a summer to the Philippines, and we were in the southern part of the Philippines going going up to a village, and we were carrying books in our backpack along with other stuff. I mean... A lot, more, a lot younger than, a lot more uh, slimmer at that point, and yet it just, it was a hard trek. It was up and down. And we were following a guy who had polio. And the trail came to a Y, and he was nowhere to be found. I mean, he knew where he was going, but, but we had no, no clue as to where we, where we were going. And so the two guys looked at it, and they said, I think we need to go this way. As the sun is going down, they looked out over the valley, and they said, oh, we went the wrong way. We need to go this way, and having to go back down the hills and, and everything else. By the time we get to the village, right before the village is it, it, a small stream, but right before that small stream, it's, it's all mud, and I thought, okay, well, it can't be that bad. We sunk to here in the mud, and so it's just like we walk into the village, and we went through the mud, and then into the water, and then into the village, and I was so full of sweat, and so hot, and so tired, I, I couldn't wait to get that off of my shoulders and the last thing in the world I wanted to do was put that thing back on my back and go to sleep Well, that's what happens we, we, we say God okay I give you the anxiety but at times we then take it right back and put it on our back how much sense does that make when God said cast all your anxieties and leave it there for some of us today before we leave the parking lot we need to leave something here before the Lord whatever it is that's eating us up and trust him Trust Him that He is able. And not only trust Him that He is able, but that He will carry what it is that we're walking through. Amen? Amen? And He says He provides for our eternal needs as well. John fourteen three, I love this. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He provides for our eternal needs as well. He is right now preparing that, that place for us. This world is but, it's just like that, isn't it? And I, I think back, I was 61, and I think back, it's like, really? really? I, you know, I, I can remember when I graduated in 1980. I mean, I wasn't, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And our, our life here on this earth is just, just like that, isn't it? We were created for eternity. And every single one of us will spend eternity in one of two places, but that place will be the place of your choosing. And God has said, I go to prepare a place for you. If you are a Jesus follower, God has said, I have a place ready and waiting for you. Our kids are coming. Some of our kids are coming at Easter. And hopefully, some of them are going to stay with us. But we have the guest room. And it's all ready. It's all ready. It's all prepared and just waiting for somebody to come. God has a place ready and waiting for you. He provides for our needs. And you know... At a Middle Eastern table, it's, it, it, it's not, you know, a slider and, and a few beans. It, it's a sumptuous feast, isn't it? And God's provided for us. What are we making of what it is that God's provided for us? He's given us his word. And see, Jesus gives a parable on this. And he says in, in, in Matthew chapter 25, he says a, a, a rich man, he said, Sent out his servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen are fattened, and my my oxen and fattened calf have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to a field and one to another business. This is a major slam, a major slam in the face of the person who had, had put all this stuff together. Why? Because the people that they go out to, the ones that tell those who have been invited, when they were invited, they would already said, yes, we will be there. And then they didn't show. And I think about it, What has God provided for us? What has God provided for us? What kind of a feast? God has provided for us His Word, hasn't He? And, and we can say in, in a sermon like this, in a, in a day like this, yeah, 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 God. Okay. okay, things today are going to change. I'm going I'm to do some things here in my life, and things are going to be better in my life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow, Lord, in, in my walk with you. And then one thing becomes another, and we don't show. And while God doesn't get angry, I think it hurts. I think it hurts. He's prepared this. He said, you're a no-show. And I don't mean that to, to sound like, you know, we're, we're all bad. But really what I mean for it is to to cause us to see God has prepared something for us. He has something prepared for us each and every day. Each and every day God has something. And so when I go to his word, one of the questions I should be asking is, God, what is it today that you are seeking for me to learn about you? God, what is it today that you want me to take away from this? Lord, open my eyes, open my ears to hear what it is and to see what it is that you are trying to say to my heart here. It'll be a much different experience. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The love of God are the... While in the, presence, while in the presence of the host, enemies were powerless to do anything. You know, the, behind this is the idea that, um, that the host... When you were in the presence of the host, there could be enemies around you, but they couldn't do anything to you because you were at the table with the host. Example of this is the prodigal son. When the prodigal son goes to the father and says, Give me my share of the inheritance, what he's saying is, I wish you were dead, because that's when you received your inheritance. And the father gives to the son his half of the inheritance. He goes off and he blows the, the, the inheritance that he has. And he ends up, he's in a pig pen. And he's in a pig pen looking at the, at the food that the pigs are eating and realizing, hey, even my father's servants are eating, have something to eat. And he concocts this plan and he says, I'm going to go home. And he said, I'm going to talk to my father and I'm, I'm going to work this debt off. And he's talking about this the whole way that he gets there. And it says what? When the father saw him, he did what? He ran. Why did he run? Because in this culture, you'll hear me say this many times, men did not run. To run, you had to pull up your robe. Men didn't do that, especially older men did not do that. And he ran to the son. Why does he run to the son? And when he runs to the son, what does he do? He calls for the best robe. Whose is the best robe? It's the father's. And he says, put a ring on his finger, the ring that he probably pawned off. He says, put shoes on his feet. He's not a servant anymore. He's my son. And he said, and kill the fatted calf. He said, we're going to have a party tonight. My son is back home. Why did he do that? Because if he hadn't gone out, if he hadn't run out there, the villagers would have run out there. Because in that culture, you not only shame the father, but you shame the village as well. And they would have put the whoop-up on the son as he was coming back into the city. And while they're sitting there, here's the son in the presence of all of these other people. And he's powerless to do anything to them. The love that the father showed there was extravagant. It was over the top. And twice, twice in that parable, the father goes out. He will go out also to call the older son to come back in. When that banquet is going on, the, the MC, the, the master's ceremony, should have been this oldest son. And he's outside sulking. And the father goes out to him and, and calls him to come back in. Extravagant love, over the top love. You know, when I think about that, what is that that kind of love is costly, isn't it? It's costly. It costs us to love, doesn't it? It costs us to love. And I, I think about us as a church. I think about us individually and in our small groups. It will cost you to love. What will it cost you? It will cost you your time. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your talents. It'll cost you your treasures as well. And you're going to be hearing more about that. That's a sermon series coming up very, very soon. But when you think about it, whose are those? Whose talents are those? Whose time is that? Whose treasure is that? And there's coming a day when we will be asked, so what did you do with my time? Well, I spent a lot of it, like this. What did you do with my, my talents that I gave you? See, God gives us talents, and he gives us treasures. He gives us talents. I was telling the membership class this morning, I was watching this guy on YouTube a while back, and he, he's, he's really into uh, taking these old, beat-up um, model cars. They're cars that are about this big. I mean he takes them they're they're junk. They're just junk. And he takes them, he's got the sandblaster, he's got this little paint thing that he he paints them with. I mean, he brings these things back to just like they were absolutely brand new. That isn't where it stops though. He finds the what the box looked like for, for that particular model car and he is able to replicate that. I mean, he can go online and, with all the different stuff and he replicates the box. puts this fancy car that he's just spent how many hours and how many dollars on, into the box, and it goes up on the shelf. And he's got one box, two box, three box, four All these boxes sitting up on the shelf, and it's like, for what? Well, I got that box up there, that car. See, God never gives us talents and treasures and time to simply be put on the shelf or to simply be kept to ourself. He calls us to get him into the game. To get them into the game will cost us, but is the cost worthy? Is the cost, is the cost worth it to make that, make that expense? It is. He said, you anoint my head with oil. You know, if you're thinking about this from a shepherd's standpoint, you talk about healing, but that's really not the motif here. See, when you come into a, a, a Middle Eastern home, and Jesus will talk about this later on, when you went into a Middle Eastern home, they did three things for you. They would, first of all, wash your feet. Then, then they would give you a kiss on either side of the cheek. And then they would take a small dab of, of oil, oil that had been scented with, uh, maybe it's the first essential oils, I don't know. Uh, but it, it was, they, they put oil that it would have frankincense or whatever the smell would be in it, because this is the day before right guard and secret and everything else like that, and things didn't always smell so good. And they put it on your forehead, and it would anoint your head with, with oil. It was a way of saying you're welcome. Jesus later on goes into the house of a Pharisee, and a woman comes there, and she she stops at his feet, and she does what? She weeps at his feet, and then she then she. Um, kisses his feet, and then she pours out perfume on him. She did for him what, his, the, what the host didn't do. What the host didn't do was a major slap in the face. And when we come to the table, he said, you anoint my head with oil. If we could go to that last verse. He said, you anoint my head with oil. He said, you're welcome. You are welcome at my table. You come to my house to eat a meal. After prayer, we'll always say, welcome to our home. We're glad to have you in our home. And when we come to the table of God, he says, you're welcome here. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. But sometimes we think, well, God wouldn't welcome me. Nothing is farther from the truth. God welcomes you to his table. God wants you at his table and God invites you to come to the table you know when I think about that here and you look around and I look around this morning and I'm pretty good at trying to get to, to see all the, all the new people who get in here but I see some newer people here that I, I didn't catch this morning and I'll hopefully catch you on the way out but when people come to church here to rise they know that they're welcome they know that we really want you to be here. Amen. Because it's easy. I went to, when I was in seminary, um, in, I started out at Denver Seminary. They closed on the program and then went to Bethel. And when I was at Denver Seminary, I wanted to visit one of our Alliance churches in that area. So I went there uh, in the morning, went to Sunday school. And uh, so I get into Sunday school and I'm the first one in there. And this guy is, got his back to me, he's scratching on a whiteboard. And, and so I, I said, uh, good morning, and he kind of turns around and goes, oh, good morning. <laughs> and I am an extreme introvert, and so I said, my name is Joel, and he goes, oh, good morning, and I'm thinking, and, 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 and your name? And he's scratching around. Finally, he turns around, I thought, oh, okay, we're going to engage in conversation, and he's looking, and he said, where is that eraser? Where is my eraser? Okay, so whatever. <laughs> Class starts to fill up. People start coming in. And I'm sitting there at the table, and I think, okay, i got deodorant on today, but nobody's sitting with me. Everybody's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da as they're coming in, and they all sit around their own table. And I'm sitting there. It's like, okay. And uh, finally, this other couple comes and sits down next to me. I said, good morning. I said, my name's Joel. And they gave me their names, and we, we talked for a couple of minutes. I said, how long have you been coming here? They said, this is our first Sunday. <laughs> okay. Guess what the Sunday school class was on. The next Sunday, they were preparing because the next Sunday, they were going to invite all of these friends. Everybody invite your friend to church. And they were talking in the Sunday school about how it is that we can be a hospitable church to these people. (laughs) Hello! I'm standing right here. You got practice and you're... I go into the church. I go into church and I'm sitting there and they do the holy handshake, you know. all right, everybody stand up and greet the ones that are around you. Before COVID, we did that, you know. And and I stand up, the guy next to me goes, oh, good morning. And he sits down, it's like, and, and you're looking around, and everybody else is all engaged in, in their conversation. It's like, okay, not one person talked to me that morning in church. And if I wasn't a pastor, I'd say, forget this. I didn't go back to that church. I went to a different church when I was on campus. But it's like, obviously, obviously, they, they have other, other things that are more important. Hey, when people walk through the doors of the church, if you are a visitor at the church, I am so glad that you're here because it's not a coincidence that you're here. God, maybe you're checking things out. You're kicking the tires right now. But God has something for you today in his word. And that's what I pray, that God would bring people into church who don't have a church anywhere. But as you're coming into church this morning, church, as people come into the church, we have all the time in the world to see people throughout the week you can call them on the phone. We may have one opportunity to show them the love of Christ as they walk through the church. We need to be doing that as people come to the church, to be recognizing who are the visitors. Hey, i got to pass because I'm still new here. I'm new enough that I don't know everybody coming into the church. But for some of us, we need to break out, and I know it's hard. I'm like the, the, I'm like the most introverted person as well, and it's not easy for me to go up and greet people. Especially to remember somebody. Well, a visitor came this morning, and I forgot his name right off the bat, and I hate doing that. Hey, take the time to get to know them and to know their name, because God welcomes us to His table, and He says, "What will be known about Arise?" As people drive by here, that's why I ask people, "How did you find the church?" And I hear almost every time, "Well, I drive by here all the time." As people drive by here, five, ten years from now, what are they going to say about Arise? That's a church that cares. You want a church that loves? That's a church that loves. That's what we should be known for because Jesus said, by this all men will know you are my disciples if you have what? If you have love one for another. Okay? Let's love the people that God brings to the doors of the church. And I'm getting done. He says, my cup overflows. Hmm. David is just at a point where he's saying, I am so blessed. I, I am so blessed. He said, my, my cup overflows. Anybody else? You think about what God has done for you. You slept in a bed last night that was warm. You turned on the tap this morning, and it was clean water, and it was warm. You maybe got a cup of coffee this morning. Your refrigerator has food in it. You have clothes. You have shoes. Your car, when you turned over the key, it started. Uh, p- <laughs> better than a lot of... A lot of people all over the world, and we've been blessed. And that's just in the physical realm. Think about in the spiritual realm what God has done. He says, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. We can tell God, I don't want to have anything to do with you, but he said, I won't turn away from you. I will stick with you. And David is saying here, my cup overflows. I am blessed. Why does God bless us? Think about this. Why does God bless us to be a blessing? When Joseph is in Egypt, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. Everywhere Joseph goes, it is blessed. Why? Because of Joseph. And I think about, we have been blessed to be a blessing. There's power, friends, in speaking words of blessing over people. To be able to just say to somebody, in the name of Jesus, I bless you with the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is powerful. And to pray for somebody who is walking through a difficult circumstance and they don't know which way to turn. And to pray over them and simply say, I pray over you and ask that the Lord's wisdom would be given to you. I bless you with the wisdom of the Lord. Does God take a prayer like that seriously? You better believe he does. But God has blessed us to be a blessing. How is it that we can be a blessing? Have you taken the time to ask the Lord? Lord, how is it that I can bless the people that are around me? When we were in uh, First Ministry, we were living in Redding, California. We, weren't, we were serving as missionaries, and so we weren't part of a church. And it was about this time of year, and I said to Becca, I said, you know what I'd really like for Easter this year? I said, I'd really like a, a smoked ham. You know, a, a, a real, real smoked ham. Not the one that comes in a can. You know, a real smoked ham. We said that to nobody. And we were kind of laughing about that, you know, not, not saying anything. And One night, heard something kind of rattle out on the porch, and I, I didn't think anything of it. And telephone rings. I said, did you... Did did you find your ham? I said, Who is this? And <laughs> he said, Did you find your ham? And I said, Who is this? What do you mean, ham? What are you talking about, ham? This, what are you talking about? And I wasn't the best person on the end of the line. And 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 I said, she goes, Did you find your ham on the front porch? And I said, What ham? And she said, Go look out on your front porch and hung up the phone. Someday I will find out who that person is. Because he walked out on the front porch and there is a ham in a box. It was a full ham. Smoked ham with a bone in. I told nobody. Becca told nobody. But God told somebody. God said to somebody, why don't you bless Joel and Becca with a ham? And somebody listened to God. I have no idea. I wish I could have known wish it would have been a better than a doorknob to them on the telephone. But I thought it was just a crank call. Little did I know God's blessing was in the middle of that. So how is it that God is seeking to call us to be a blessing? What is it that he's given you that in turn you can use to be a blessing to someone else? You don't have to do it so people know. I think some of the best gifts are given anonymously. But there is something about when you receive a blessing from somebody that it just causes you to want to be a blessing to somebody else. God prepares. God serves. God welcomes and God blesses us. And in all those things, he calls us to go and do likewise. He's modeled what it is. and He's called us to follow in his example. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And then when I'm done, uh, we're going to have a final song. It's, we're just going to listen to the final song as, as uh, Jen is going to come up and sing for us. Father in heaven, thank you that you have made a way for us. You've prepared a table for us. And you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, bid us to sit while you serve. God, that's almost too much for us to, to comprehend. And yet, Lord, you model. Lord Jesus, you modeled what a servant looks like. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us. Help us as husbands to serve our families. Help our wives to serve with joy. Not doing it for just for man, but for you. And give our young people servant's heart as well. Lord, thank you for providing for our needs. We don't say it enough. Everything we have is because of your kindness and your goodness towards us. And God, I pray that we would be quick to say thank you to you. Lord, I thank you that you welcome us to your table. And I pray that God Arise would be known as a place that cares. We'll be known as a place that loves. God, help us in that. Help us to know how to serve. And Lord, you've blessed us incredibly. Would you help us as well to be a blessing to those you bring across our path? Will you show us? Lord, would you challenge us today? And, and Lord, when it happens, I know it will be costly. But I pray that, Lord, we would be obedient to you and that we would be a blessing to those that are around us. God, in the midst of what this week holds, we don't know. But we know that, God, you walk with us and you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. God, I pray, go with us now in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with his strength for whatever it is that you may face this week. And I pray the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ as we face temptation, that you will look to the Lord and that he will bless you with his strength. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will go out in the joy and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. In his holy name, amen, amen. We'll see you next week.